and welcome to the FEZ Show. It is the 20th of August 2020 and we have a good show lined up today as we go through all the latest news in the world of Formula E as Alexander Sims has moved to Mahindra in place of Jerome D'Ambrosio. The Gen 2 Evo car looks set to never race so we'll talk about that and we'll talk if the Formula E's qualifying format could work in Formula 1. But joining me on today's show is the one and only Jack Pickering and the lovely Edward Hunter. Morning, boys. Good Never morning. Never that before, so <laughs> what an honour. Lovely Edward Hunter. Okay. Good morning, Jack. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's mid-August. That's, that's, uh, that's absolutely insane. We've, we've been doing these far too long now, definitely. Far too long, maybe, but we've got lots more to come because we've got 149 days to sort of fill some content for you Formula E lovelies um, to yeah get us through till Santiago in January. But we've got to talk, Jack, the first uh, piece of news, which Alexander Sims, we were talking about this, if we'd seen his last race in Formula E or his last race at BMW, which officially now we have. But I wasn't, I was a bit surprised because um, Roger Griffiths in the press conference said, like, we haven't made a decision yet on our driver lineup. Clearly they had made the decision on their driver lineup because Sims wouldn't have been let go that quickly after Berlin. But what do you make of Sims obviously leaving BMW and him signing for Mahindra Racing for next season? Yeah, it was um it was a bit of a surprise really. Um uh we 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 obviously thought that um that Sims would be um out of BMW at the end of the season. That was I think the general consensus, um, but for him to join Mahindra Racing was a bit of a surprise. Um, but I'm very happy that he is there because um, he is—he is a really good driver and deserves to be on the grid. Um, and so I'm happy that he's found another place in Formula E, and I think Mahindra Racing is a good squad to be part of. Um, yes, it means that they're going for a completely different lineup to um, uh, to the season uh, to what they were. Uh, to, uh, to what they had um, uh, for the start of season six, but because um, we're not sure whether Lynn's got the seat yet, fingers crossed he does because he did a spectacular job in uh, in um, in Berlin. But it would mean an all British lineup at, uh, at Mahindra as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, no, it it it, it did come as a, a a real surprise, and but 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 a pleasant surprise, and um, and um, and yeah, obviously uh, obviously we've. Uh, uh, as I just said, it means that there's going to be a different lineup because Jerome D'Ambrosio is is he he he's gone. But as soon as Sims was announced, Mahindra announced that Jerome was leaving the squad. Uh, I hope he's not leaving Formula E because he's had a few fantastic seasons there and 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 he is a seriously good driver. And so there's uh, there's there's quite a few spots uh, on the grid now. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. That's what they said. They're like eight out of the twenty-two things are confirmed. But my question for you, Ed, is: Do you think the pressure cooker, like poor Sims, he never looks set for that seat. BMW never really showed any confidence in him. Like going back into the back end of last season, being signed really late, you know, not knowing and on that pressure, and then even going into the season, you know, despite winning the first couple of races, there was still that pressure on him to perform, that pressure on him that, you know, if he made any mistakes or if he did anything, that, you know, he could be the first one out the door, effectively. And that pressure was always there. It never sort of left him, despite, you know, winning races, getting that contract. That pressure didn't leave. But do you think at Mahindra, 
with their sorts of family environment that we think with Dilbag Gill and and so forth and that they have at Mahindra, do you think that that could be an area where you know Sims could thrive off that? Yeah, I guess it's interesting because um, I've seen other drivers at the Andretti team here before BMW joined who were sort of given similar treatment where they would have a race or two where they struggled and suddenly they basically stopped talking about them in press releases and it sounds like they've completely withdrawn all their support a little bit and it's almost like they've become a one-car team. I remember when Robin Frantz was doing well and Simone Silvestro's team, I remember that happening. So I'm not so sure if that's necessarily a BMW thing or an Andretti thing. Um, as for moving teams, um, I, th I think there's definitely something in that, in that he's not driving necessarily for the BMW Corporation anymore. It's for Mahindra, which is this small, uh, smaller team, I think it's fair to say. Uh, but the, the disadvantage of that is that it definitely seems like a, a, a step lower down the grid. And it's a big coup for Mahindra, of course, getting a race winner and someone with multiple pole positions. But uh, especially given that Jerome is gone, uh, which was which was the even bigger shock in my opinion. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense for Sims. Uh, the big question now is whether he's going to be able to make it work, especially if he has Alexander Lin as his teammate. He may not have things all his own way. No, but let's talk Jerome D'Ambrosio Jack very quickly because he was you know testing the season seven car. So when Alex Lin came. Um, you know, Alex Ingsat sort of got used to the team, and Jerome D'Ambrosio, since Pascal Verlein's left, that, you know, took on that responsibility. And, you know, teams like stability, right? Teams like, okay, this driver has driven our Season 7 package. He understands the car. He's leading us forward. So I don't know if it's the decision Jerome has made, and we'll find out very soon, because if he is out of Formula E, maybe then we can find out if that was, you know, he decided, you know what, I've had enough. I don't want to do any more. I'm cool. I've had, I've had a nice you know, five, six seasons in the series, or if he ends up at another team, then maybe there could be a different reason to the story. But I think it's a kind of a shock because, as, as I said, the teams like to stick with a driver that sort of developed their car, moving the team forward, helping the team progress. And Jerome D'Ambrosio, to be honest with you, hasn't had an atrocious season. Good couple of Super Bowl appearances. Then he did have, it was streaky. I think streaky probably was the best way to put it, but I suppose Formula E promotes streaky drivers because if you get qualifying wrong, all of a sudden you're at the back and you look like you're streaky, you look like you're hot one, day and then bad the next day but you know if you look at his performances in Berlin overall D'Ambrosio he was fairly strong fairly strong so um maybe a bit confusing but maybe there's more to the story yeah yeah Jerome was fantastic in Berlin I think um he came into he came into Berlin with three points on the table and he left with 19 uh he did um he he he, uh, he did a great job, and I think that is testament to Mahindra, who did bring a fantastic car to Berlin, and it did work extremely well. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a big shock when it was announced that um, because uh, my my first thought when I saw Alex Sims sign for um, uh, for Mahindra was um, oh, Lin's out of a seat again. But then immediately I read after Jerome's out. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume that uh, this was Jerome's decision because I think Mahindra had probably um, her, Mahindra because he tested the season seven car. He um they they uh, they put a lot of faith in Jerome. Maybe he has got a deal that's too um too good to refuse. Um, maybe the thing is if it is that 
then I wouldn't think he'd be at Venturi, which I'm, which I think is probably the most viable option at the moment. But um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's 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 going to be interesting. Silly season has kicked off really well so far, and um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting silly season all the way up to Santiago. Yeah, because we thought, right, we thought there was going to be a lot of, um, not a lot of changes. Like when we did this, this chat show, Jack, we talked about the teams and we put obviously Jerome. We didn't have that much movement, right? We didn't have, and it looks like there's going to be much more movement than we thought, um, which is really interesting. But let's talk BMW, unless it's a straight swap. Um, Jerome D'Ambrosio is a straight swap going the other way. Who knows? Oh, I sincerely um, doubt that. I am honestly think that Jerome maybe um, might actually be looking to retire because he got married during the break to... Um, if you remember, there was an F3 driver, Ferdinand Habsburg. Uh, he got married to his aunt, I believe, if I remember correctly. And the Habsburgs, you know, many, many, many years ago used to rule the uh, Holy Roman Empire in Europe. So I wonder if Jerome D'Ambrosio is going to make his bid to become the new Holy Roman Emperor or to resurrect that empire. <laughs> Seems unlikely, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> no, I'd be, well, imagine. Imagine the scenes. Um, but I there have know, been have... some weird uh, driver career changes. I know Robert Dornbos owns a um, Please let's sex, not talk about Mr. Dornbos. In, um, <laughs> in, um, in Amsterdam somewhere. But, yeah, no, there are some really weird career changes. Jaime Alguaire is a DJ now, so um, Roman Emperor is going to be right up there, definitely. It definitely would be. Jerome D'Ambrosio is 34 years of age, um, so whether or not he wants to retire or not, that's actually quite young. He's actually got quite a few seasons, I would say, left in him, um, in the tank. So, you know, he might find a seat elsewhere. There are definitely other seats up for grabs. He's not going back to Dragon, let's put it that way. That would be a huge shock. Um, but let's talk BMW, right? Who is going to replace Alexander Sims? And, I'm, you know, early reports have come out saying Philip Jack, And I'm like, okay, I said that in the last chat show. Like, who would I... If I was to go with a BMW driver, who would I pick? Possibly Philip Eng, like, uh, the only one. But then we've seen now in Formula E that, yeah, okay, you go to an in-house driver... Like we saw with Porsche with Neil Yarny, and it didn't work. Okay, not saying that Philip Eng won't work. Renault Ras came in, it worked. It looks, it worked beautifully for Audi. Um, but we don't know. It's sort of that toss up. You hope that it works, uh, but you don't really find out till race one. Whereas in my opinion, and I've been saying this and saying this and saying this, Jack, you've got Oliver Turvey in that Neo, and everyone says he's the most underrated driver in Formula E. He's the one that deserves a top seat. He's the, and now a top seat has come along. And I'm surprised no one so far has gone, you know what, Oliver Turvey, this is his chance. If he wants to move, if he wants to get out of jail free card from Neo 333, this is it. Because, you know, what, what other chance is there? Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone should look out for Jack's feature tomorrow on why BMW should sign Oliver Turvey. Um, but um, but yes, it does. It 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 would make sense for uh for for them to sign uh Ollie Turvey. I think, uh, I I think he'd genuinely be a really good fit at BMW. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting one, really. Um, because the thing is, last uh last year when they lost um Tony Dak to um uh Diaz to Cheetah, um, they signed Max Gunter. Uh, from Dragon because he was doing really well. So they have, so they have form in terms of promoting drivers from 
not as good teams and then excelling well because obviously uh, Max Gunter won two races this year, one in Santiago and um, uh, and one in um, in Berlin as well. Um, and, and and actually this season he did only finish first or second or get no points, which is rather interesting. I think Sebastian Buemi's the only person who uh, Sebastian Buemi in season three were either won the race or got no points, and that's what lost in the championship. Um, but um, but yeah, it's um, it's. It's an interesting one because because you have someone who isn't uh, who isn't originally a BMW driver, you'd you'd kind of want to put a BMW driver in its place. But yes, as you say, we've seen Neil Liani uh, before who who, who it, it just it just hasn't clicked. It's a, it, well, it kind of clicked, but it was on the penultimate day of the season. But um, but yeah, I so yeah, I know where BMW want to go with this, but. Honestly, if 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 I were them, I'd get on the phone to Ollie Turvey immediately. And the thing is, we've said this about every team up and down the grid. As soon as an opening's come up, we've seen. Um, uh, we, we were saying about Virgin when uh, Sam Bird left, and and but they got Nick Cassidy in, and we uh, we said it when Mahin uh, when Pascal left uh, Mahindra, and now it's looking like it's going to be um, uh, Alex Alex Lynn alongside uh, Alexander Sims. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be um, it. This is why I'm gonna love silly season this year because I really don't know what's about to happen. But I, if I were BMW, I would get on the phone to Ollie Turvey, see 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 if he's about for next season. Is it about markability, though, Ed? That's my question because I think in a series now like Formula and how competitive it is, I don't think new drivers are a risk. I think rookies are a risk. Obviously, you'll need rookies. Right, you will always need rookies in a, in a series, and you'll pray that they're good. Pascal Verlaine was probably a pure example of that. Rookie came in, blitzed the field, you know, came in. John Eric Van Ockay, that was really early, but came in and 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 hit the ground running. Rene both Rast, XF1 drivers, Ola Brast, of course, but Rast had Rast, done it before as well. So. Well, he did one race, which probably you can't compare from Gen One to Gen Two, mm. but at the same time, you know. He's coming, and it has worked. So there are examples of rookies working, but then we've seen Brendan Hartley come in. Um, it didn't work very well. Nico Muller, we were expecting him to set the world alight. He was supposed to be Daniel Lapp's replacement at Audi. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now, right? Because he he hasn't really performed. And again, the obvious example was Neil Yarnid. As we said, you know, drivers could come in thinking that they would do a good job, and it hasn't happened. So yes, you've got the markability side of it, but... And, you know, bring in a BMW driver, bring in your in-house driver for what you've got. But I don't think Formula E you can afford to do that anymore because the difference, the gaps, it's such a competitive field. You need a driver that you know, you know is going to race. You know that's going to be consistent on the pace from day one. And if you look on the grid at the moment in a team that's not great at this precise moment in the Neo 333 with all respect, unless they sign, they get a DS powertrain going into season uh, season six or seven, whatever we are in now, um, and maybe they could be a strong team. But I think clearly for me, you know, you've got to put Turvey. You've got to try and sign the best drivers, not just the driver that's in your program. I just want to say on that before Ed comes in, if they wanted someone who was performing week in week out, but they want to get someone from their program, they sh- they should have just kept Alex Alexander Sims. Um, and 
not gone for like Philip Eng. But or was Alexander Sims performing week in and week out? That's my question. He was at the start of the season, but Berlin yeah, but I, I don't think he yeah. was. Well, in the that's a moot point, Pico, because Sims jumped before he was pushed out. In my opinion, that's what the whole move to Mahindra was about—that he didn't think he was going to be retained, and so that's why he started talks with Mahindra. In my opinion, and so as for your original question, Jack, about marketability. Um, it sort of makes, if you, from BMW's point of view, they want they've got they have got a pretty uh, big berth of in-house talent uh, in DTM, for example, drivers that they've sort of bought up through the ranks. Like a good example that comes to mind to my mind is not Philip Eng, but actually uh, Marco Whitman, who won DTM for them as as I think I think he maybe even won it as a rookie or in his second season or something a few years ago. He's this very promising young young driver, Marco Whitman, who impressed me a lot. So if it can't be Oliver Turfey, then uh, could, put, could, could do worse than putting Whitman in, but um, but yeah, uh, I I know I think in terms of um, I think sponsors would probably go for it because Turvey has that sort of profession. He's a Cambridge Blue. He's got excellent technical feedback. He's he's not ridic- He's not too old, so that wouldn't be an issue in terms of marketing that. But uh, I wonder if it's a problem with just um, Oliver Tur. I don't want to say the term masochist, but he definitely seems to love. Uh, turning down opportunities at bigger teams to stay at uh, Neo, Neo or Free 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 Racing as it is now. And uh, I, I wonder if maybe just that group of people, irrespective of how uncompetitive the car is, he just owes it too much to the group of people he's working with, where he sort of feels like, um, well, I've spent so many years now, I have to sort of make this pay out. It's almost like a kind of gambler's fallacy, the way he, where he just literally can't leave, no matter uh, how, how many, how you know, matter how, maybe if he gets like Tachita or whoever it is at his door offering him a world championship. It's like, nah, uh, I've been here too long to give up now. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Well, we'll see. It depends on what Turvey's state of mind is. When we spoke to Turvey, I thought, you know, he sounded fed up. Um, in all honesty. That of what was happening at Neo, um, and I. But when we think about that marketability edge, just very quickly, like in terms of, yes, okay, you can bring in your BMW driver. Yes, look, BMW, Marco Whitman, whoever, right, ex DTM champion, blah 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 blah, right. He's in our Formula E seat, great. But if he finishes P15, then that marketability is going to go. We don't know that go... until we put them in the race, though, do we? Yeah, but that's true. But, um, but that's why we're hypothesizing here, right? If he finishes 15th, right. And that markability of putting that guy in the seat, like Neil Yarny for Porsche, is gone, right? That's not markable anymore. Your driver's at the back of the field. You know, we don't care about him anymore. We, we care about Andre Lodera, right? And everything will go towards Andre Lodera for Porsche because he's the one doing good. And it could be the same for BMW. Whereas, if you put Turvey in and he starts, you know, not BMW driver but becomes a BMW driver, if he starts winning races... BMW are going to be pretty remarkable in my opinion because Oliver Turvey, oh look, Oliver Turvey, the new BMW Formula E champion maybe. And, wow, that's going to be pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think the thing from Turvey's point of view is if he signs a BMW contract, then there are, uh, there's going to be stipulations with that. And that was one of the reasons why the Costa left is because they were leaving uh, World Endurance and it's like, basically, sorry Antonio, you can't race World Endurance Championship anymore. And he's like, what? I like doing that. And so that's one of the reasons why he left BMW. So you can easily see that uh, why a certain driver might not, you know, like it, for some drivers, it's the opportunity of a lifetime for other drivers. Maybe they might want to think twice about it. And Oliver Turvey's on the older side. I think he might, it, he's definitely, it's definitely not an easy, the easiest decision in the world for him. 
I suppose it depends on Tur- Jack what he wants to do, Turvey, in terms of does he want to make Formula E his career path? This is the racing series I'm focusing on, right? And if that is, then BMW, well, if you want to focus on it and have some good end of good last couple of races um, and good couple of years, then yeah, BMW is the way to go. If he is thinking elsewhere, which I don't know if he is, but if he is thinking maybe I could race here or maybe I could race there, you know, is BMW the right team to go to for that? I don't know. I'd be surprised if Holly Turvey wasn't thinking of making his career in Formula E, considering that he's had five seasons there and hasn't. Uh, and uh, yes, yes, he has done some work on the side, but his primary focus for the last few years has always been Formula E. So, I if 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 uh, if if I was Ollie Turvey or his management, I'd 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 get onto BMW and say, I I, I I'm happy to drive. Um, but uh, because um because yeah i think formula e is where ollie turvey's heart is and um and so yeah i think i i think it would make sense yes yes he's been in the neo for a few years and he's been at the back but he's shown in that neo how good he really is santiago when he got it into super pole um he came across the line 8th in diria before he got disqualified um and so and so yeah, I think um, and and actually, had he not been disqualified that uh, that day, we would have had all teams scoring points over the course of the season. So, it, it so, so so it's actually a massive it is actually a massive shame that uh, that Ollie Turvey was disqualified there. Uh, just one yeah. sorry sorry to interrupt you, Pico, but one thing that's just occurred to me is that Oliver Turvey is you know for ten years now been a test and development simulator driver for McLaren. So if he signs for BMW, is that is that going to clash with his existing McLaren contract? Because I couldn't see him wanting to break that. Very easy, that's he a good point. At great length about you know how much you got out of the sim work with McLaren. So that's another stumbling block. I think. It's a good point, but at the end of the day, you're just a sim and test driver for McLaren. You're never going to be in the F1 seat. You're never going to drive the F1 car. Yeah, okay, you might love the sim work. But you, you never know. Like, COVID, COVID. You know. Uh, uh, oh no, they're using Stoffel, aren't they? They're using Stoffel as a reserve driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. He's, he's, he's never going to race for them. Um, go BMW, what? mate. Exactly. Um, What's the harm? What's the harm? And maybe it, it would be like a separate contract. Maybe he'd just be the sim, you know, do some simulator sessions. You know, it happens uh, for some drivers, I suppose. Look at Pascal Verlaine. He's also he's Ferraris. Pascal Verlaine is Ferrari's simulator driver. But he's driving for Porsche. I so. wonder if that's going to be the case for much longer now he's signed with Porsche. <laughs> I don't know, but to be fair, you know, with Ferrari, I would try and stick with that Ferrari powertrain or or whatever, or that Ferrari team. Ferrari will still um, have Brendan Hartley though, so yeah. Yeah, it's so possible. Happy days. Um, but let's move on because I think we've we've covered it quite well. Let's talk the Gen 2 Evo car because we released yesterday. There was a lot of confusion in the paddock, so we went uh, we went hunting. We asked the question and we got a response, and that response is is that it had that the Gen 2 Evo car will not be going ahead. Ed, what were your thoughts on that? Well, do you are you happy that you know we're not going to see the Gen 2 Evo car? Sad, or do you think yeah it was probably? The- <laughs> well, you make it sound like oh, did you want Gen 2 Evo to fail? Well, no, I didn't. It's just it's a cost saving thing, isn't it? It was the advantage it, it looked nice and all the renders and stuff but the advantage of bringing in the new bodywork was offset by the fact that it, it cost more than what it would have added really so it wouldn't really have been worth having it for just one season 
because Gene Tarifo ended up getting delayed, that was the last thing we'd heard on it. And now Susie Wolf in an interview basically confirmed that the teams had all voted to agree to scrap it, which you could you could sort of see coming. And so it was it's an it's in it was kind of inevitable when they had to delay it that it was probably going to end up being scrapped because they also said they weren't going to delay during free. So so yeah, I'm I'm a little sad that things couldn't work out. Uh, I do wonder if um, before the pandemic, if any of them Gen Two Evo chassis actually got built, um, what what's going to happen to those now? But um, but yeah, um, it it was it was necessary. I think it was the right call, and um, uh, the, I don't have a hugely strong emotion. I'm more sad than I am kind of happy or anything. Yeah, the thing is, Jack, it was going to cost right. So it was thirty eight thousand for like mm. one set one set but their team said that they probably need 10 sets over the course of a season so that came to that price of 380,000 that we said that would cost the teams right so that was how much it was likely going to cost the teams um to to run the gen 2 evo and a lot of people say my man that's such a small amount of money a formula one front wing doesn't even cost half of that and i'm like yes but you have to remember that formula e is still like a very much a spec series and the, the teams operate much smaller than Formula 1 teams. Like, Formula 1 teams like Mercedes could have 600, 500 people. Like, a Formula E team could have 60 people. So, 380,000 for a team of 60 people compared to 600 um, is a lot more money. And obviously, Formula E will get bigger. The teams will get bigger. And one day, I strongly believe Formula E will be at an F1 level, an F1 similar price level, probably. But it's way too early in the day um, at this precise moment for Formula E to go spending $380,000 potentially on something that's only going to last for one season and isn't really going to benefit electric mobility as much rather than more of a racing thing, if, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I, 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 was, I was really sad that they were going to cancel it because I really love the look of the Gen 2 Evo car. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it does make sense given the whole pandemic that we're, uh, that, uh, that we're in. And yes, it's disappointing, but it was the correct decision, um, unfortunately. But that's that, that's that at the end of the day. And yes, cost would not have been worth it. Um, I, th- I, 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 I think I did kind of mention on, uh, on, on this show a few months ago saying that um, they should just do two Gen 2 Evo seasons starting in Season 8 and just run it through Season 9. But then again, that would just that would just stop the development of the Gen 3 car as well. Um, so, yeah, it, um, it it does make sense. But, yeah, no, I'm, I, I was actually really surprised that people still thought that this was going on. I thought this was thought this was announced ages ago i thought we i thought this was done and like in the locker we all knew this evidently not people just didn't realize and so yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it was kind of an open secret that it was like dead yeah this guy. yeah yeah it's yeah so it, it i i thought yeah it didn't need a release it didn't need any release because everyone knew that it just wasn't happening but evidently not people didn't actually know that this was happening and um the uh the, the cost saving part of it it makes sense and so it's di- it's 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 disappointing but um as as ed said if um if there are any um if if there are any parts of the gen 2 evo that have actually been built um firstly i'd like to see it uh can uh, can, 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 uh, can they put it in their um can they put it in their Dr. maybe i'll HQ? sell it on ebay don't worry no 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 they should build it put it in their donington hq 
and I think that's what they, they should do, so that people, because they've still got it there, the Donington HQ is still there, it's been there since day dot, yes the teams have moved out of there now, and there are a couple of teams still there I think, and they've just grown into all, all the other teams' bases, but um, but yeah, I think um, I think with um, I think with the Gen Two Evo, if 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 there has been a car that has been built, because it was due to be released at the Geneva Motor Show, which was cancelled last minute, um, so it would um, yeah, it would make sense to stick it in the Donington HQ and then have people visit it every time they go to Donington. Yeah, I think it would be good. I think it would be good for people to see the car. Obviously, like the Gen Two Evo, I remember showing it to um, the kids in my class. And just big from the look of the car, they went mental. They, oh, it was t- the talk of the town. It was the talk of the school. It was the talk of the playground. Gen 2 Evo, Gen 2 Evo. Have you seen the Gen 2 Evo car? My kids really brought into it. And obviously, I think that's what Formula E were trying to do, right? Was to create something that looked incredibly cool and would get the younger generation. And, you know, we're, you know, probably of the generation that, or the end of the generation that Formula E are trying to attract. Right, but then when I saw it firsthand, just by showing a class of thirty kids, and how much a design like the Gen Two Evo car can really encapsulate a young child and actually make them interested in a series that five minutes ago, before I'd even shown them that picture, didn't even know Formula E existed. I think you're selling yourself a little short there, Jack, no. because you sold them a little bit on it as well with your passion well, and enthusiasm. That's probably true, but at the same time, right? They had to see the car. Kids love visual things. They love visual things. And if Gen 3... We do like visual things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if Gen 3... If Gen 3 can provide something that is as cool-looking, futuristic-looking, then I think, you know, show that to the younger generation, make sure the younger generation can see it. Um, they've got a good chance of gaining quite a lot of new fans. Right. Boys, before we click the wrap-up... Um, I wanted to, I posted a little thing and I just want to get your thoughts on it because we've all been watching Formula One now since the Formula E's finished. You know we've got to wet our motorsport appetite and carry on watching motorsport and Formula One is probably the only thing to do. And I was watching qualifying and I thought, could the Formula E system work in Formula One or could you adapt it somehow? Could you maybe give Lewis Hamilton goes out first in qualifying, only has one set of tyres, he's got one lap to do his lap. If he does it well, he does it well. If he does it wrong, he does it wrong. And maybe you split up and maybe the people at the back give the Williams two sets of tyres or three sets of tyres. And they've got more chance to on the rubbered in track to maybe get a fast lap and see if you can mix up the F1 grid. Could it work? Do you think, Jack, that the Formula, Formula E qualifying system could potentially work in Formula 1? Short answer, no. Um, but I think there are kind of parts that kind of can... So, so, so the fact that the qualifying sessions are so short, I really like that. So, so if they made a Q4, Q5, Q6, and had like three drivers like knocked out in each session, and but but the pressure to like get out on track and and uh, to to uh, to get out on track, set your laps early, try and not get hold up any traffic, that would make it interesting. But the main the main idea that I've kind of thought would improve F1 qualifying, as we're just talking about it, um, British touring cars they have um, success ballast. Now, obviously, you can't do that to a Formula One car. That's stupid. Um, but I think that there should be a qualifying fuel ballast. So 
the person at the top of the table has to start qualifying with like 40 kilos of fuel and then like the entirety of the top 10 gets like slightly less and less and less and less and less and they have to wear off that fuel because it will make the end of the sessions a bit more interesting because the guys right at the front of the field will have to set a fantastic lap to maybe try and like squeeze through into the second part of qualifying it it, it, it wouldn't do much in terms of like changing up the grid but i think it would do a fair amount in terms of i think it make qualifying really exciting you see more on track action uh it, it it won't be that much less economical and um uh, and yeah it, it it has the potential to spice up the grids so that's what i so did for me very much very much like how it was in the olden days when um they had race fuels for the final qualifying yes. and they had to burn off the race yes, fuel. Yes, but as you Maybe. go further down the field... They, they, but they, they had less they, fuel, so person in P10 might have nearly like, qualifying fuel, yeah. whereas Hamilton yeah, has to start yeah, on P1 race fuel. starts field. on like 40 could, kilos or something. Could work, could work. But could Ed, work. what do you think? Could the FE qualifying system work in Formula 1 or do you think? how do you think it could be adapted to possibly spice up maybe Formula 1? Well, the advanced thing that really makes the FE system work is the whole track evolution thing and you do get this a little bit in Formula 1 often I feel not quite to the same extent where uh, sometimes if you leave you're running right to the end of the session you're, you'll even if you're in a, on the slower cars you'll be able to set a blisteringly quick lap time because there's so much more grip on the circuit uh, I really like the one lap qualifying system of Formula E and it's something that Formula 1 used to do as well um, used to have a system uh, about 20 years ago where they would send all the cars out sort of one at a time they'd get one chance to do their lap they'd sometimes go out in like reverse championship order they'd do one lap and that would be it and that would sometimes lead to some really interesting qualifying results if you go back to like 2003 or so but um, I, I don't know I, I still think um, if you put it in wholesale I don't think it's a one to I don't think it would quite work because as well formerly it's adapted the format for street circuits so that you don't have too many cars running on track at the same time and stuff like that as well, which is not as big an issue in F1. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Uh, there are some good good things that work, but mostly I think it's an FE exclusive system. I think it could, I, I honestly think, I beg to differ, I feel like it could work, but I think Jack's probably onto something with the lap times in terms of the actual time of the session. I think if you make it, maybe have a few more sessions but maybe make q1 five minutes or make q1 seven minutes eight minutes instead of 18 minutes so they don't have to do like 10 laps before and they get the track sort of evolved and stuff uh, and then everyone's fine because maybe you're all fighting to be the last one on the track and maybe there is that track evolution and whoever gets it right um could improve it so maybe it could be adapted in that way but boys i want to say a massive thank you for being on the show today thank you cheers jack um, and if you're really enjoying the content, please remember to hit that like and subscribe button. We've got a Discord chat as well, so if you love Formula E, Formula 1, IndyCar, whatever, come join our Discord, because we'd love to talk about it just as much as just as much as much you like to talk about it. Um, we also have a Twitch channel, so if you haven't seen us on Twitch, uh, we do plenty of stuff, plenty of F1 racing, plenty of R Factor 2 stuff on, um, on Formula E and stuff like that. Um, we'll also be doing a little co-op championship today, but as a little Pico birthday stream because it's his birthday tomorrow but he's, he's out tomorrow so we're <laughs> yes. gonna do a mini birthday stream today a bit of a co-op on f1 2020 between me and jack see who can who can get out on top probably jack um but which one um yes happy birthday for tomorrow. thank you and if you love us that much you can also support us on our patreon page but thank you so much for watching and we'll see you very soon goodbye